uh, I always thought I never focused on my patients who got better. I always focused on my patients that didn't get better and why. Um, and it started with the gut, but the piece that I realized was the most important piece is the mental, emotional, spiritual part. And it's kind of funny that in functional medicine, we have this thing called the matrix that teaches people how to teaches practitioners, how to practice functional medicine. And it's all this stuff we've talked about toxins and mitochondria and cardiovascular health and diet at the center of this matrix is mental, emotional, spiritual health. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, founder of Zivli. As a geriatric physical therapist, I saw the heartbreaking effects of insulin resistance. At Zivli, our mission is to help you prevent and reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention through a low insulin and inflammation lifestyle. Each week on this podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable tips to lose weight, keep it off, and get healthy. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and today I'm really excited for this conversation. We get to meet Dr. Peter Kozlowski, and he is a medical doctor uh, specialized in functional medicine. So he has a couple of books. The first is Unfunk Your Gut, and then the most recent one that we're going to be referring to a lot today is called Get the Funk Out, which I thought was a really cute uh, and creative name. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he does work with patients virtually and in person. He has two clinics, one in Chicago, one in Bozeman, uh, which is kind of on my bucket list of places to visit. Um, so I'm so excited for this conversation. We're going to start with heavy metals, which is not something that we've done in depth on the podcast before, and then dive into thyroid. So Hashimoto's low thyroid, a lot of people in our audience struggle with low thyroid levels, and we're going to have a really detailed conversation on why and what you can do about it to improve your thyroid health. Cause it's so important for so many different things. We're going to touch on osteoporosis a little bit today. Uh, and how heavy metals can impact that and blood pressure and also talk about adrenals. So it's going to be a conversation that hopefully resonates at least in part with anyone who's listening to this. Um, and again, really quick, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, do it right now, subscribe to the YouTube channel, share this with a friend. I know it's going to be a really good one. So, um, can I talk, can I call you Dr. Peter? What do you like me to call you there? Whatever you want, Dr. Peter, Dr. Kaz, that's what a lot of people call me because they can't pronounce my last name the way you could. So whatever <laughs> you want. Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I like Dr. Kaz. I think that's kind of catchy. Um, so can you just introduce yourself and sure. tell us where you're from? Tell us, tell us how you got into functional medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a first generation American. My parents are immigrants from Poland. Um, my parents were both doctors in Poland. They, and there's a number of doctors in my family, um, but they never really pushed me. I was interested in it. And my main problem when I was young is I didn't really like to study. Um, I was more of like a partier. And uh, so I went into college as a pre-med and um, pretty sad, but classes for pre-med were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Thursdays were the big night to go out. So I was missing my class on Fridays a lot. All my friends were business majors. And so I switched to a business degree um, for my lifestyle. And um, so needless to say, my priorities were not intact. And so I got my business degree, did well, 
And during my senior year of college, my best friend, um, Michelle, she came back from spring break with a rash and feeling unwell. And um, it spiraled very quickly. She was diagnosed with lupus um, and passed away two months uh, later, one week after we graduated uh, college. And so I'm a helper. I like to help people. And I felt totally helpless in the situation. I was like borrowing books, medical books from my mom and like trying to read about it and um, couldn't do anything. So that I didn't really know what I want to do with my life with my business degree anyway. Um, and so I thought about medicine at that point. Um, I had to go back to school, get a post-bachelorate, take the MCATs, go to medical school. Um, and so I did all of that. And I would say that that's, those are the two main reasons I got into medicine. Um, if you would have asked me when I started medical school, when I started residency, if that I would, if you would have told me I'd go into functional medicine, I would have laughed in your face. Um, I, I, no way. Like I was your prototypical doctor that knew it all and was the God of the world and, and could be told nothing, uh, a lot of ego. So, um, but that brings it together that, um, I never really let go of that party lifestyle. I was very much a work hard, play hard. And so I was a binge drinker. And when I started residency, um, I tried to stop and I had no idea how to deal with life. Um, I had like the emotional attitude of like a 12 year old. Um, and so I went to treatment for alcohol and during residency, I took a six week break and, and I was never, I didn't even think I had an alcohol problem because I did it like on my own free time, but I did and I do. And, uh, so that experience changed my life. Obviously, um, my treatment had nothing to do with alcohol. It was all about why. So I was introduced to this concept of underlying causes and in treatment, we were doing lots of group therapy. We were doing acupuncture and yoga and meditation and, and all these things that I thought were full of crap. Um, and, but I saw them working in my own life. So I went back to residency. We had a doctor who worked with us. His name's Dr. Batra. As a resident, you get trained by different physicians. So you work with somebody different every day, every week. And you, so you're learning different styles of how to practice medicine. And as residents um, for family practice, which is what I did my residency in, you do a lot of inpatient hospital care. So you're treating people that are admitted to the hospital. And every week we would have a different attending and all of them had their own different style. Well, every time Dr. Batra came on our service, he would have us start um, every patient that was admitted on vitamin D and a multivitamin. And we thought it was a joke. We like made fun of it. Um, and one day when I was, you know, the new me or on my way to being the new me, I was with him uh, overnight in the hospital. And I just kind of asked him, I was like, Dr. Botcher, like, why are you weird? Like, what are you doing? Why do we do this? Yeah. And so he's like, I'm studying functional medicine. And he took me on the website. I was like, that looks cool. They, um, as a resident, you're like required to take time to go for CME. It's called continuing medical education and, and they pay for it. And, uh, I didn't know what else I wanted to get my continuing medical education in. So I was like, I'll try this. Um, the conference was in LA. So I was like, it'll be warm. Um, and, uh, within the first hour, so it's a week long conference. Um, 
lots and lots of doctors and, and practitioners from all types of fields. Within the first hour of the first conference, I was kind of looking around and, and being like looking around, like, why has nobody taught me this yet? And so the first actually talk was about the thyroid. I believe we started with the thyroid and, and they started talking about nutrients for the thyroid. And I was like, what? Like, I thought all we do is like give Synthroid. Um, and I thought all we do is test TSH. And, and so I was ex like learning all these new lab tests to order and all this stuff. And, um, and then at the conference, I was talking to a lot of the doctors there who were surgeons and neurologists and and all the like cardiovascular and i was like what are you guys doing here like why are you here and, and everybody was telling me like this is the future of medicine this if you're just getting started because i was still an intern so i was very i wasn't i don't think i was the youngest person but i was definitely like the youngest in my career at that point now i've seen like medical students even at functional medicine conferences um but they were all telling me like you should do this you should this is this is it and um, with my friend, Michelle, having lupus like that, you know, the, the idea of like the underlying cause that definitely was my, I guess, my goal when I started out in medicine is to help people with stuff like that. Um, and so functional medicine was the perfect place for me to end up. And the other really cool things that happened to me is that my residency program was extremely supportive. They, um, when I came back and told my program director that I wanted to do this functional medicine, he had never heard of it, but he was like, if this is what you're interested in, go for it. Um, so they allowed me to, to do away rotation. So I actually left my program for weeks at a time. And that's when I um, went and spent time at Dr. Mark Hyman's clinic and Dr. Susan Blum's clinic and Dr. Deepak Chopra's clinic in, in Carlsbad. Um, and so I was getting to actually see how functional medicine was applied because it is so different than what I was being taught, the, the lab testing, the approach, all of it. And you come out of a conference like that, any practitioner that's been to an IFM conference, it's like, you don't even know where to start on Monday morning when you get to work. Um, and so they, that kind of helped me start to put it together. And when I was at these clinics, I shadowed everybody. I shadowed nutritionists. I shadowed the receptionist. I shadowed life coaches, the doctors, the PAs, the nurses, uh, the janitors. Like I, I was just taking, I had these le big yellow legal pads and I was just writing from, um, morning to night every day, um, everything that I was hearing. Cause it was all so different. And then when I finished residency, I, I went off to practice on my own. Um, it'll be nine years soon that I've been practicing on my own. Um, and uh, that's my story, I guess. Um, I can gladly say I've helped many, many people um, with autoimmune diseases, um, put them into remission, which is something that from a regular medical perspective, you would tell someone there's no chance you're gonna live with this forever. So mission accomplished. Um, and once some of those, once I really built up a lot of good uh, stories, I, you know, one of my life goals was to write a book. And so I wrote Unfunk Your Gut, which is about nutrition, gut health, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. And for me, my approach to functional medicine, I kind of described there's five main areas that I look and they are nutrition, gut health mental, emotional, spiritual health. And the last two are hormones and toxins. Um, so my book that just came out not too long ago, Get the Funk Out, um, 
it is about hormones and toxins. So to me, I've put out there what I wanted to put out there in regards to what functional medicine is and how to practice it. And what, you know, taking what I learned from, you know, people that created this field basically, um, and then applying my own style, I guess, to it. Uh, at my practice, we had a saying that we put the funk in functional medicine. So both of my books are spelled funk with a C, F-U-N-C. Uh, that's where it comes from. Uh, if anybody's having a hard time finding it, you might be spelling it wrong. Um, and yeah, so that's my story. That's great. What are the main complaints of people that become your patients? I'm sure they've been to other doctors. And what are their main complaints? Like, who do you help really well? Uh, for sure. Gut issues, you know, IBS. So many people have been diagnosed with that. And it's probably my least favorite diagnosis in the medical world, besides maybe like fibromyalgia. Um, IBS is way more commonly diagnosed. So I guess that's why I, I dislike it a little more. Um, and it's basically, those are diagnoses in the regular medical world that are like, we've run our tests. We have no clue what's wrong with you. So take an antidepressant. Um, and that's not ever the underlying cause of IBS is a deficiency in an antidepressant. Um, so, uh, for sure gut issues, but I have had probably the, the one condition, which is shocking to even say out loud that I, my success rate has been a hundred percent is with, uh, autistic children. Um, yeah. Uh, which is a, a miracle, I think really, um, and it's a spectrum though, just like autism is a spectrum. Not everybody gets all the way better, but it's something that if the families are able to follow through, um, there's always an improvement. Um, so I, I, I really actually enjoy wor working with them. Um, my, some of my coolest stories is just having kids that were in my office, banging their heads into my desk, uh, not looking at me. And now they're in like regular classes and, and having conversations, full conversations with their parents. Um, Hashimoto's for autoimmune disease, lupus, a lot of the inflammatory bowel diseases, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, um, osteoporosis, high blood pressure, dementia, diabetes. Um, so I, I work with everything. Um, skin, skin is a huge one because I always say your skin is the best representation of your gut. So we've had a tremendous success with things like eczema or rashes and things like that. Uh, so a little bit of everything. Um, I guess probably the only thing that I don't really work with is like cancer. Um, I never specialized in that. So that's, that's outside of my comfort zone. Um, and, and, but yeah, other than that, pretty much all ages from babies to elderly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you why you said offline that if you had one test to order, I mean, obviously you work with a very broad uh, demographic, but if you had one test to order, it would be a heavy metals test. Yeah. So why is that? Cause that was surprising to me. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, it, so the whole, fo the, the focus of my new book is on hormones and toxins and environmental toxins. So when I say toxins, I am talking about things like heavy metals, like lead and mercury. I'm talking about mold. I'm talking about glyphosate, which comes from Roundup. I am talking about the, the, the junk that they put in your makeup and your mascara and your hair straightening products. Um, talking about, uh, cell phones and, and Wi-Fi. Um, all of these things 
are extremely prevalent in our environment, right? And we have made our environment increasingly more toxic every year. And this is probably, let's say, 50 years where it really accelerated. And so we're seeing a skyrocketing in all those conditions that I mentioned, right? Like the rate in autism in the 80s was like one in thousands, and now it's one in 40, and it's down to one in 32 now, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and Hashimoto's, right? Like everybody pretty much knows someone who's taking medicine for their thyroid, right? Um, estrogen dominance, low testosterone. Like I was diagnosed with low T at the age of 32. Um, that's not normal. Uh, so I diagnose a lot of these hormonal imbalances, but my patients want me to take it even a step further and, and they want to know why the whole point of functional medicine is why like, okay, great. I have Hashimoto's. Why did it happen? Um, I have high blood pressure. Why did it happen? And so when someone comes to me, I always warn them. I'm like, I'm not going to give you anything to feel better tomorrow. Like if you're expecting, you know, for your joint pain to go away tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Most likely. Um, what we're doing is, is identifying imbalances in the body and then rebalancing them. And then, um, through rebalancing them, people get better. Now, my argument in the book and what I've seen over the years is that the main reason our hormones are so imbalanced is because of our toxic environment. So one of the analogies I really like to use is that we're all born with a bucket. And we kind of talked about the bucket picture in, in, in the book. Um, and we fill that bucket with stress, with sugar, with high uh, un unhealthy fats, with um, fast food, with the lead that's in the air that we breathe, the mercury that's in the fish that we eat, the glyphosate that's in the clothes that we wear. Um, just two days ago, I was reading an article that they, uh, there was a study that came out of New Zealand and they found massive amounts of microplastics in the rain. So just when it's raining, it's raining down plastic on us. And I, and I forget, but it was like the, the equivalent of a shocking amount of plastic that's coming down in the rain. So it does not matter, unfortunately, kind of like what we're doing. We're being exposed to all these different toxins. And, and the one thing that they never really did is study how these toxins would affect us. And since they started introducing them, there, there's a correlation with the amount of chronic disease that is skyrocketing. And uh, so that when people are asking me the why, I think that that's a major reason why is our bodies weren't designed to be, you know, rained on with plastic. They, we weren't designed to, um, you know, drink everything out of plastic bottles. These are foreign substances that they can get into our body and any of these toxins that we're mentioning are fat soluble. And so um, whether we talk about lead or glyphosate or mold, they are fat soluble. And when these toxins, when it rains on us, when we breathe them, when we eat them, drink them, we have barriers to keep them out. And that's our skin, our lungs, and our gut. Those are all entryways where these things try to get in. And if we're healthy, we're sleeping, we're eating well, our gut's balanced, then we're going to keep most of them out ideally, but we're being exposed to so much that we can't keep up. Right. So some of these toxins start getting into our body and since they are fat soluble, 
every cell in your body is surrounded with a membrane that has fat in it. So these toxins can get stored all over your body. And we never really studied how that would affect us, right? And, and so when they do start getting stored, that's what starts filling up our bucket. And eventually that bucket overflows into disease, right? And I think probably the scariest part about the toxins, maybe, I don't know, there's a number of things, but you don't taste them, you don't feel them, they don't cause symptoms. So you could be living in a moldy house for 10 years and, and not have symptoms from it. And what it is, is that they're filling your bucket and then you get, go to your doctor and you're diagnosed with Hashimoto's or low T like me, um, or, you know, whatever condition you want to pick. And at that point, we're trying to reverse what's happening. And we're then trying to identify what's in your bucket and get rid of it. So then your body can start healing. The, the organ that I did not mention is the liver. And mm -hmm. most people, when they think of detox, that's your detox organ, right? Well, to take it a step further, when these toxins get through our gut, get through our skin, get through our lungs, we're very fortunate because the first place our body sends them for filtration is the liver. And the liver goes through what is called phase one and phase two of detox, and it makes those toxins water soluble. Once they're water soluble, you poop, pee, and sweat them out. That's what detox is, is taking these toxins that are fat soluble, making them water soluble, and then we get rid of them. You need nutrition for phase one and phase two of detox. Um, so you need micronutrients, you need antioxidants, um, you need vitamins. And I get have tables in, in the chapter about detox of what nutrients you need for phase one, what nutrients you need for phase two, what foods are high in those nutrients. Um, so all that info is there for people. So one of the ways that we can screw up our detox is by just having a poor diet and not getting enough nutrition. And then we're not supporting our liver. The other way is that we are being exposed to way more than we used to be. And so our livers can't keep up. And, um, and that's what's happened over time is that the, the amount of this stuff that we're eating, breathing, drinking um, is increasing. And, and so our bodies are getting overwhelmed. And, and let's say my capacity of detox is 100 toxins. My liver can handle 100 a day. In an average day, I'm exposed to 50. I'm fine. But then um, on the weekend, I'm binge drinking and I'm eating um, processed foods and, and drinking out of plastic bottles and, and I'm living in a moldy place and I'm exposed to a thousand. 900 are going to get built up and eventually they will cause disease. Now, the most common toxin, getting back to your question, that I find in people is heavy metals. And it is something that I've seen over the years. I don't need to hear anything in your history that tells me you have exposure to heavy metals. Being alive in 2022 or three um, is enough of a risk for being exposed to heavy metals um, because they are everywhere. Our exposure starts before we're even born. So heavy metals or any other toxin cross the placenta. They've done studies on umbilical cord blood and found hundreds of toxins in the umbilical cord blood. Um, so we are born with a baseline. 
That's why when women come to me for pre-pregnancy planning, the first thing that I do is heavy metal testing along with other toxins. Um, with the so I have an entire chapter on heavy metals and there that's why I would test anybody is because so mercury is in fish, it's in dental fillings, it's in vaccines, it's in the exhaust from coal burning plants. That exhaust drops and settles onto our crops. So it's in our fruits and vegetables. Um, lead is in the air, airplane exhaust. Um, the highest levels I've ever seen were in, in a mechanic from O'Hare Airport. Um, a normal lead should be less than one. Um, my own level was 11, which I think contributed to my uh, testosterone issue. This patient who's a mechanic at O'Hare, his level was over 140. Um, I've still never seen anything even close to that. Um, so it's also older buildings, older cities. They made pipes out of lead. They used to put lead in paint. It's in like, you know, there's uh, like the cans we eat out of. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a study on uh, organic Gerber baby food, and they found like 200 times the amount of mercury in organic Gerber baby food. And that was like 2020. So you imagine what it was like 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so we can't, unfortunately, we really don't avoid this stuff. And, and so with something like mold, which is the second most common toxin that I work with, I want to hear that you've been exposed. I, there, there has, there, I usually don't test everybody because it can be very low yield if, if you don't have any mold exposure. We can get into that if we have time, but um, glyphosate is one. So glyphosate is the main component of Roundup. Um, that's another one that was in the national news a few weeks back. And they said that they found glyphosate in over 80% of urine samples. I find it in over 90. Um, I No, excuse me, over 95, honestly, maybe even 99. Um, and that's even in patients that have been eating organic for years. Um, so those are some of the main ones I see. This book is um, about the connection to hormones. So one of their favorite places, the heavy metals or any other toxin to accumulate is in your thyroid, in your adrenals, in your pancreas, um, in your testes and your ovaries. Uh, that specific, that article about New Zealand and the plastic, they said one of the highest concentrations they found of those microplastic were in the testes, which would be the same ovaries for women. Um, so they like to accumulate in our uh, endocrine glands, um, which are hormone glands. Uh, but I also, the three main systems that I, I clues me in to look at toxins are any kind of immune issues. So any kind of autoimmune disease, I'm going to look at toxins, nervous system, any autism, dementia, everything in between the reproductive system, which is the hormones. Um, and then the cardiovascular system, um, because they accumulate all over our body. And once they start digging into the fat in our cell membranes, they start causing cell death. Um, they create basically like a toxicity or acidity to your cells, which damages the mitochondria. Mitochondria are how we make energy. They keep the cell alive. When the mitochondria die, the cell dies. And so then if a cell that should be contributing to making thyroid dies, then you're going to make less thyroid, right? Um, 
I think this whole concept for me started from uh, Dr. Susan Blum, who is in New York. She is um, a phenomenal functional medicine doctor, was doing it for many, many years before I started. So I really learned a lot from her. She's a Hashimoto's uh, patient and um, she wrote an excellent book on uh, Hashimoto's many years ago. Um, I think it's one of the best functional medicine books um, besides my own, of course. Um, but she described to me the thyroid as a sponge. It is a, as a sponge for all of these things that we're being exposed to. And so for me, I like to make sense of things, right? So let's say these toxins like lead and mercury and mold and glyphosate and plastics are accumulating in your thyroid. Well, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease of your thyroid. That means your immune system has identified your thyroid as an invader and it wants to get rid of it because it sees it as a invader. Your immune system's job in general is to protect you. It decides what is good and what is bad. And so if there's a virus, bacteria, toxin or whatever, it'll attack it. Well, from a traditional medicine standpoint, if you were to ask your regular family practice doctor or even your endocrinologist, um, why do I have Hashimoto's? How did it happen? Why is my body attacking my thyroid? They'll tell you I have no clue, but here's Synthroid and, or, and, you know, come back in a year. Um, wouldn't it make sense that if your thyroid was absorbing all these toxins, that your immune system is actually kind of making an appropriate response? Like, Hey, get out of here. Right. Um, it doesn't feel appropriate because then your thyroid stops working and you feel really poorly. Um, but I could argue that it's actually like an appropriate response, um, just like food sensitivities, which is something I get into in the first book. Um, we've completely changed our food supply. Um, the hybridization of wheat, the, the genetic modification of soy and corn. Um, so people's immune systems are responding and there's gluten sensitivities and soy sensitivities and corn and, and a bunch of other foods, but these foods look different than they used to. So doesn't it kind of make sense that your body's actually making a pretty appropriate response by trying to get rid of them? Um, so that is, I guess, just getting deeper into, um, you know, why people should be curious about heavy metals um, or any other toxin. If you're trying to um, figure out why you got sick, it's a great place to look because you won't really feel it. Like there's not a symptom like, Oh, you have a runny nose. So you definitely have mercury or, or whatever, like it, they create inflammation all over the body. And, and I could take a hundred patients that I'm treating for mold or heavy metals. And every one of them has a different symptom mm -hmm. or a different combination of symptoms. I also believe that, um, many people will live and die, uh, full lives, full of toxins and never get sick. And so oftentimes people ask, well, why, why would that happen? And that my analogy with that is going back to the bucket. Um, some of us are very lucky and we're born with a huge bucket. Some of us are unlucky and born with a very small bucket. Um, and, and another important point is, is traditional medicine does not accept this topic really. Um, so it's not really a good idea to go into your traditional 
uh, rheumatologist or family practice doctor and be like, Hey, I want a heavy metal test. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. You're really going to have to find someone in the alternative medicine world. Um, because they believe in poisoning. They believe in like an acute toxicity. For example, the kids in Flint, Michigan, where they changed their water supply, there was tons of lead and they had acute neurologic symptoms. The concept that we talk about in functional medicine that regular medicine hates is total toxic body burden. That is the lifetime accumulation of all these different toxins. Basically, how full is your bucket? And I could take someone with a lead level of 10 and they have autoimmune disease. I could take someone with a lead level of 75 and they have, they're totally fine. And that kind of, I think, breaks the thinking for a traditional medicine doctor. Like, well, it, if the higher it is, the worse it has to be. No, there, there's, there's your gut health that plays a role. There's how much you're sleeping. There's how much you're exercising and sweating um, and your relationships and the trauma you've been through, all of that all of it is connected. Um, and so be careful, I guess, if you're listening and want to go to your regular doctor and ask them for heavy metal testing, uh, probably not going to happen, uh, even within the functional medicine world. So for anybody looking for someone, I always recommend ifm.org. Uh, that's the Institute of Functional Medicine website. And you can search for a practitioner on there by, by your zip code or town and, and however distance you want. But not everybody that does functional medicine is comfortable with detox, just like they're not comfortable with the gut. Um, and so I would always just check like, hey, do you have experience doing heavy metal testing? And is it something that we can do? Um, because even for me, when I started my career, I avoided the whole environmental medicine world, which is the toxin world. I feel like I was so trained in medical school and residency to not believe in it, um, that it's a hoax, that that it's not real, um, that I was really scared to get into it. And then, but I wasn't getting as far as I wanted to with my patients with just working with nutrition, gut, toxins, mental, emotional, spiritual health. I knew there was more. And so that's when I started um, training deeper. And actually I, I studied with someone named Dr. Lisa Naj, um, who's very known in the environmental medicine world. She has a clinic in Martha's Vineyard. So I actually spent some time with her too, and, and really kind of saw how environmental medicine is applied, um, which is a branch of functional medicine. Um, so. That's interesting. Um, as you were speaking there, I was feeling a little defeated because it's inevitable. I mean, we come into this world with heavy metals. We leave this world with heavy metals. My husband's a farmer. So glyphosate is, uh, yeah. in his environment for sure. And we're going to be moving to the farm, uh, next summer. So what can I do as a farmer's wife to protect my family from the glyphosate and from probably, uh, heavy metals in our water from hundred year old pipes? Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, um, it's kind of, terrifying, but some of the higher toxin issues that I've seen uh, over the years are in people uh, living on farms, mm -hmm. um, which um, sucks for you and your family. Uh, but it also sucks for the rest of us because the farmers are the people that are giving us what we eat. And so if they're the most toxic, then uh, besides like automotive and mechanics, that's, that's another one. But um, 
so there's very, I always like to keep things simple. And so at the most basic level, you have to drink enough water. You have to pee. So drinking half your body weight in ounces. So if you're 160 pounds, 80 ounces of water a day, um, making sure you're moving your bowels every day. So making sure you poop every day. Um, the stool is once we detox a toxin in uh, the liver, we excrete some of it into the intestine. And so the only way to get rid of it then is to poop it out. If you haven't pooped for three days, then those toxins are just sitting there and they could get reabsorbed, right? So unfunking your gut is a, another massive step that people would overlook in detox. And the other one is sweating, um, which through exercise, but I really love infrared sauna. Um, yeah. I specifically use infrared sauna mostly for mold detox, but I could argue it's valuable for any kind of toxin. And it, it's not just because it makes you sweat, but because it also the infrared waves kind of help kill off some of the toxins in your body. Um, so infrared sauna is something that, that can be done every day um, if you tolerate it. And sometimes people can't, so you got to go slow and work with someone to kind of get you going. Um, but so those are three things that, um, everybody should be doing peeing, pooping, sweating, and, and sleeping because when we sleep, we basically restore. Um, the way I look at it is, is the entire day from the time we get up is, uh, a constant onslaught of toxins. And in the introduction of my book, I go through my wife's daily routine. And just from like going to bed, getting up, making breakfast, um, getting ready, like with makeup and, and that stuff, um, and then playing with our dogs, uh, the amount of toxins she's exposed to. Like it, it for some people that haven't gone down this road, it, it can be yeah. kind of shocking. Like everything you're touching or doing can can be considered a toxin. Uh, mm -hmm. Like memory foam mattresses. I, I cite some studies that they found like over 80 different chemicals in memory foam mattresses. Um, and I'll never forget, I ordered one. And then the day after it arrived, I went to a conference on environmental medicine and they started talking about it. Anybody that's ordered one, like you can get one off Amazon that comes in in like this tiny box. And you're like, how is this a mattress? And then you start cutting it open and it just starts expanding and 80 plus chemicals. Um, so, and then testing, you know, so I would test the water. Um, yes. I really like, uh, the company called national testing lab. Their website is called watercheck.com. Um, you can order up to hundreds of chemicals, medications that are in your water. Um, it, it's pretty, uh, amazing. Um, <clears throat> I would test homes for mold um, before moving in there. Um, the, the doctor that trained me, Lisa Naj, um, she was a avid horse person. Um, there's a lot of mold with horses, like with the hay. Um, so most people that have grown up with horses test positive for mold. Um, something you also, you wouldn't think about. Um, and then testing the water, the air, and then you could start cleaning stuff up. So one of my favorite free resources for people is ewg.org. That's the environmental working group. Many people are familiar with the dirty dozen, which are the 12 fruits and vegetables that are the most 
toxic um, with herbicides, pesticides, all of that. Most people don't know that EWG is, is the group that's putting that info out. They update it every year. But you can go on EWG.org and start looking at everything in your house, all your different makeup products, your deodorant, your cleaning products, your laundry detergent. Uh, you can type in anything on there and you'll get a toxicity rating. So you can go through and start cleaning up your house. Um, in the last chapter of Get the Funk Out, I go through just a lot of stuff like how to look at your cookware, um, how to look at the cups you're drinking out of, um, all of this little stuff, um, how to make your own uh, like herbicides or pesticides for smaller gardens. Um, and and uh, so I try to help with that. Um, but one thing I, I definitely don't want anybody to do is just assume that you're toxic. Um, and it, it really, you should get tested, um, pre and post chelation testing for heavy metals, urine testing for mycotoxins, urine testing for glyphosate. Um, and then there's this urine panel that, um, looks at all the other stuff. So the herbicides, the pesticides, the plastics, the chemicals from dry cleaning, um, our furniture, they cover it in flame retardants. So if your house is burning, um, I, I find organophosphate flame retardants in people all the time. And that's just from your couch. Um, so I would test this stuff because there's one thing I hate about the world of detox from the functional medicine standpoint is, uh, the internet and social media. There's a lot of doctors selling detox products. Like here, I've created this detox plan, order this $300 worth of supplements for 30 days and then switch to phase two and then $500. And then when you're done with phase two, it's phase three for another thousand. And this is going to detox you from heavy metals, mold, glyphosate, all of it. I have different detox strategies for different each different toxin. So um, I that's a pet peeve of mine um, because I have people come in and they're like, well, I've been following this social media doctor and I definitely have mold. And for me, the more that someone comes in and convinced that they have mold or heavy metals or whatever, the more likely they are to test positive for something else. Um, and so there's just a lot of marketing out there. A lot of people trying to make money off of this um, and just be careful with that. I, I really don't, like the, the 30 day cleanse detox, like I, I, as someone, and you know, a lot of people don't have access to the testing. I've been very fortunate to have access to the testing. There are doctors out there that have it. Um, so I would, I think that that's a better route to go down is to test your body and then treat it appropriately. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was uh, Esther Blum who was on the podcast and she said, test, don't guess. I think a lot of functional medicine doctors really advocate the test. Don't guess, uh, the test don't guess paradigm. So the, I appreciate those tips. We're going to be linking up like the ifm.org watercheck.com awesome. ewg.org. We'll link those up in the show notes really quick. What cookware do you use? Because that's something that I'm actively thinking about like updating, that's kind of one of the next things on my list. So what do you recommend personally? So I've been using like stainless steel most recently, um, but they're hard. I mean, the, the, the problem with the cookware is um, the, the, I guess the safer it is, um, the more they 
stick and burn. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really kind of difficult to to get either way. Like if you get something that's nonstick, then you're getting chemicals from it. If you get something um, that doesn't have that nonstick, then it's going to be sticking. So it, um, it's difficult, really, for me. I haven't actually found my favorite one yet, honestly. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one. And I know I've kind of updated my makeup and like the deodorant I still need to do and our, you know, different like soaps and detergents I still need to do. But I think it's a, I love the, the notion of like, it's a lifestyle and it's a journey and you don't have to make all these changes overnight. No. Um, you know, even like updating the type of gum that I'm showing. So it doesn't have artificial coloring in it. Right. Like that's one and it doesn't have aspartame in it. So I think even those little things are good. Um, before we move on from the heavy metals, I wanted you to tie them to osteoporosis because that's something you thought my audience might appreciate. Can you go ahead and do that before we talk a little bit more in depth on the thyroid and adrenals? So definitely something that, that is common people coming into me that, um, have either been diagnosed with osteopenia, osteoporosis, and ideally they come in for, uh, prevention, um, which is rare. Most people don't come to me and until the disease has already started and then we're trying to reverse it. But if somebody comes to me for osteoporosis or prevention, the first place I like to look is heavy metals because the lead and the mercury can get stored in your bones. And the same mechanism is, is that um, you have cells in your bones that create more bone growth. And then you have cells that kind of cause bone resorption. Um, if those cells are full of toxins, they're not functioning properly, right? And then you throw in on top of it, you're not, you haven't been eating, you haven't been getting your nutrition, or you're not digesting and your gut's imbalanced. And so then you don't have the nutrients for your bones. And then instead of getting nutrients, they're loading up with heavy metals. It's no wonder that they can decay or, or um, become weaker. So I really love to get the heavy metals out. And if they're there, um, so that is a, 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 one of the top conditions that if somebody comes to me for prevention, just like dementia prevention, first place I'll look is heavy metals, or like I said, pre-pregnancy planning. Um, and so by getting that stuff out, then you can then reload your bones with nutrients and they'll actually have a place to get stored and function because you've gotten the toxins out and then your bones can heal or just not become weak and, and osteoporotic. Um, so one of, again, these, you know, when we talk about heavy metals or these other toxins, um, the book is about hormones, but they get stored everywhere. Um, in the heavy metal chapter, I've, I, I talk of a story that, of a patient that came to me on three blood pressure pills. And that's usually kind of the max where the cardiologists are like, well, we're out of options. So if you're on three, you're kind of then screwed. And so he was like, I'm out of options. What can we do? I was like, let's look at your metals. We found a lot of lead in him. It took us over a year to get it out. By the time that we were done, he was off all three meds and he never told his cardiologist and his cardiologist was so proud and happy, but didn't really know what we were doing. Um, so osteoporosis for sure, because they like to accumulate in our bones and you won't feel it. You won't know it. It'll just be like, well, you go for your DEXA scan that your doctor recommended. And they're like, you have osteoporosis or you fall and you fracture. And it's like, well, now we looked at your bones and they're actually really weak. Well, one of the ways you could have at least helped prevent the weakness is by getting the toxins out specifically the heavy metals. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And then I like how you explained really clearly what happens when they accumulate in the thyroid. So if we can pivot and talk a little bit more about Hashimoto's, can this be reversed? Can low thyroid, can Hashimoto's be reversed and how can it be reversed? Um, to me, the answer is, is yes, but it is difficult. Um, I can't tell you how many people have come to me over the years and told me they've been on thyroid medication for 30 years. And, and I always start every visit with what are your goals or expectations? And, and they're on 200 micrograms of Synthroid or, or 160 milligrams or whatever of, of armor thyroid. And they're like, well, I want to be off of my armor by the end of the year. And, and that's difficult is the honest answer. Um, Susan Blum, she, in her book, she kind of talks, she was able to get her dose decreased by detoxing, right? So the goal is always that, to reverse it. Um, specifically with Hashimoto's, the difference between low thyroid and Hashimoto's is, is antibodies. And so what that means is there's a lot of people that are diagnosed low thyroid, but they, it's not an autoimmune attack. Like their thyroid is just low. When there's an actual autoimmune attack, your body will create uh, what are called either TPO antibodies or antithyroglobulin antibodies. Simple blood test that should be done routinely, I think, if you have a low thyroid, which many doctors refuse to order. Um, so to get diagnosed specifically with Hashimoto's, you have to have a low thyroid and you have to have antibodies. What a, a very realistic outcome is a significant decrease in those antibodies. Uh, in the the first after the introduction, the first chapter in, in Get the Funk Out is on the thyroid, and I love patient stories. And I had a patient who, uh, when she came to me, her antibodies, her TPOs were over three thousand which uh, to get diagnosed with Hashim, like with antibodies, it could be like as low as like 12. So she was over 3000 and the lab stops counting. So they, well, they'll just do greater than 3000. And, and that's a, still the only time I've ever seen it. She had been exposed to the nuclear radiation from Chernobyl um, when she was young. And so there's lots of studies out there about the amount of thyroid disease from Chernobyl. Well, that was a toxin into our environment, right? Um, and we, so I go through everything we did with her. I go through what her labs looked like after, on the first day of the visit, six weeks later, um, one year later, et cetera. So um, we were able in uh, basically like three months to get her antibodies from over 3000 to under a hundred. Um, and so that's through the multifaceted approach, which is to look at nutrition to look at gut health, to look at toxins, um, to um, look at mental, emotional, spiritual health, which is the number one thing that stops your body from converting T4 to T3. Um, so it's not just one thing that we're doing. If I had to pick one thing, then I would pick toxins, but I like to look at a little bit of all of it, right? And so, What's interesting is, is that a lot of people, when they think they have low thyroid or they talk to their doctor about low thyroid, the only test that your doctor will order is TSH. And which is to me, the most useless number in a thyroid panel. Uh, 
I love analogies. So the way I describe your thyroid is like the heat in your house and your brain is the thermostat and that's your pituitary gland. Your thyroid is the heater. Well, in my house or office, I set the temperature to 68. When the thermostat detects the temperature drops below that, it sends a signal to the heater to turn it on to make heat, right? Well, TSH is that signal from your pituitary gland, which is your thermostat. So regular medicine, what they're doing is testing TSH. And if your TSH is high, they will say you have a low thyroid because there's a lot of signal coming from the brain. Totally uh, not reliable in my experience. How many people I've seen over the years that are like, I have constipation, I have fatigue, I have low energy, my hair is falling out, my skin is dry. And I keep going. And every time I read online, it says I have a low thyroid. I go to my doctor, they test my TSH and they tell me it's fine. Or people that have been through the ER or through their regular doctor that have a high TSH and they right away get put on thyroid medicine. I test T4 and T3. T4 is what your heater or your thyroid actually makes. And then it is converted to T3. And T3 is what actually goes and binds to your cells. Specifically, I look at the free levels because protein or excuse me, hormones, when they're circulating in our body are either bound to proteins, which makes them inactive or they're let go of those proteins and then they're free. And they're the ones that go and bind to our cells. So I'm always looking at free T4 and free T3. I can't tell you how many people I've tested with a high TSH that have a normal T4 and T3. And so they're being dangerously and inappropriately treated with thyroid medicine or way more common is the people that have all the symptoms of low thyroid, their TSH is normal or borderline high, but then their T3 is low or their T4 is low. And even a step further is, as we look at the range and, and as a regular doctor, I was kind of taught to get a lab report and just scroll through it and look for what the lab marked as high or low, and then kind of skip the rest. Honestly, what I was taught in functional medicine is where are you falling in that range? Right. And, and so let's say normal is between one and two. And, and so somebody with a level of 1.1 is being diagnosed as normal. And somebody with a level of 1.9 is normal. That's a pretty different, and the range is bigger on the testing, but, um, we're all different. And so I might feel normal at a level different than what you feel normal at. So full thyroid labs for a proper diagnosis along with the symptoms. And for people interested in this or have been thinking they have a low thyroid, but have been told they're crazy and to get on an antidepressant in that chapter on the thyroid, I go through charts of what are normal ranges, but then what is optimal? What's a reference range that you should really be using? Um, and so I think that that's an invaluable resource for people that are struggling and, and, you know, kind of know that something's wrong. They kind of feel like they know it's their thyroid, but their doctor's saying, no, it's not. Well, you probably haven't had the right testing done yet. Um, and so that resource is there for your listeners that check out the book. Um, and I think it's, it's really helpful. It, I mean, 
it changed my career. I mean, I can't tell you how many patients I would have missed if I was just following what I was taught as a family practice doctor, which is to test your TSH. And I think your book does a good job too, going back to the why, like just yesterday, I spoke to a woman who wanted to lose a little weight, was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, also diagnosed with an iodine deficiency. And like, that's one of the first things that you talk about in the thyroid chapter is an iodine deficiency can create uh, low thyroid or Hashimoto's. Um, so I think that looking at those micronutrient deficiencies is a commonly overlooked thing that yeah, your book yeah. does a really good job explaining. So if someone has Hashimoto's, I highly recommend that you get this book because there's probably pieces that your traditional doctor is missing. Um, and I think I'm always a fan of advocating for your own health. Um, yeah, and I know that we're almost out of time. I have two more questions. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. sure. I just wanted to follow up before we touch on the adrenals briefly. Did you say that your mental, emotional, spiritual health is the number one thing that prevents T4, the inactive form of thyroid hormone, uh, to be converted into T3? Even more so than toxins. Can you um, please speak? Like we could have a whole nother episode on that. Yeah. Can you talk on that? Yeah, this is actually my passion. And so if anybody has read my first book, Unfunk Your Gut, um, I'm a perfectionist. Um, that's one of my flaws and gifts, I guess. But uh, I always thought I never focused on my patients who got better. I always focused on my patients that didn't get better and why. Um, and it started with the gut. But the piece that I realized was the most important piece is the mental, emotional, spiritual part. And it's kind of funny that in functional medicine, we have this thing called the matrix that teaches people how to teaches practitioners, how to practice functional medicine. And it's all this stuff we've talked about toxins and mitochondria and cardiovascular health and diet at the center of this matrix is mental, emotional, spiritual health. And even the majority of functional medicine doctors or practitioners miss it because they haven't dealt with it themselves. Right. Whereas for me, I dealt with um, alcoholism. I deal with it every day. Um, I deal with my mental, emotional, spiritual health every day. And I, I saw how it changed my life. So I focused it from focused it on it from the beginning. But um, many doctors don't. For me, example, I've referred every patient I've ever met to a mental health therapist to work with them while they're working with me. This is the number one thing that my patients don't want to work on is you know, this is usually where they're telling me, well, just find the right supplements, find the right diet and I'll be fine. And, and it doesn't work like that. Um, so your adrenal glands, I kind of, they call them like your stress glands. And so when you're under your body, your nervous system can either be in a sympathetic response or a parasympathetic response. Sympathetic is fight or flight. Um, since I spent um, most of the last few years in Montana, the analogy I always used is you're hiking in the mountains and you see a grizzly bear sympathetic nervous system should be activated. The blood and energy go to your brain and your muscles to survive. They're shunted away from your liver because you don't want to be detoxing while you're running from a bear. They're shunted away from your gut because digesting your breakfast would be a very bad use of energy to, if you're trying to get away. And if you do survive and you're sitting by the campfire, having s'mores, then you're in rest and digest parasympathetic. Um, and so our adrenal glands produce a hormone called cortisol when we're under that sympathetic response. Um, cortisol is one of our fight or flight hormones. Cortisol 
basically causes two things to happen. It causes your immune system to be suppressed and it causes sugar to be released, um, which is a very bad environment if you're trying to work on insulin resistance or if you're trying to detox or if you're trying to get your gut right or your brain healthy, um, et cetera. So we can test your cortisol. And the second full chapter of the book after the thyroid chapter is the adrenal gland chapter. So people can dive into this if they want. I really love adrenal gland testing, um, which is saliva testing to look at your cortisol throughout the day. I call it my stress test. When you think of a stress test, it's like a cardiologist that tests your heart. I test how is your mental, emotional, spiritual health? So we can look at it objectively. And something super interesting I've seen over the years is the more convinced someone is that their mental, emotional, spiritual health is not an issue, the worse their cortisol testing looks. The more that someone tells me they are stressed out, they're dealing with this, they're dealing with this, this happened when they were kids, the more normal their cortisol curve looks. Um, and there's basically two hormones you don't want elevated in your body, and they are insulin and cortisol. Um, and so the best way to lower your cortisol is to dig in, uh, to, to deal with um, the stuff that started with childhood. Um, yeah. My favorite um, definition of trauma, most people think of trauma as violence and things like that. Uh, a trauma, a definition of trauma that I learned during therapy is trauma is anything less than nurturing. So it could be as simple as coming home from school and your parents aren't paying attention to you. And that starts shutting down your gut. Your gut gets leaky. Toxins can start getting in through your gut. And now you've got a leaky gut, you've got dysbiosis, you've got toxins coming in. And then all of a sudden in your twenties, you're diagnosed with Hashimoto's or lupus or whatever. Um, and it all started because of the cortisol, the sympathetic nervous system, um, and, and not addressing that. Um, that's not everybody, but I see that story over and over. Yeah. Do you have just a few more minutes for me to tell a quick story to wrap it up? Sure. Okay. And I know that I feel like we've kind of gone on the tip of the iceberg, especially with the connection between the toxins and the hormones. I'm really excited to read your book. I was telling Dr. Cause offline, I only got it two days ago, so I haven't read it all yet. And I know I'm going to learn a lot, but, um, we're recording this in December and just this week in office hours, I was coaching a member who I'm so proud of. Uh, she knows who she is and she has worked on her mental health for the last year. You know, so she joined Zivli and she was like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I don't know what to do with my physical health. I'm trying to focus on my mental health. I'm like, girl, if you're focusing on your mental health, you are focusing on your physical health because your head and your body are connected. And so a whole year later after therapy, and she's really, like you said, she's dug in and she's dealt with her stress response and she's done the, the therapy and the journaling. And I'm so proud of her. And now she's like coming back. And like, she was here the whole time, but now she's just like ready. She said, I finally have the mental and emotional space to focus on some of these, the nutrition changes that I know have, have needed to happen. And so we were talking about gut health and I kind of gave her the, the lowdown of what she can test and who she can see. And I said, but let's talk about the thoughts that are causing you to eat the sugar and the dairy that cause the inflammation in your gut. And they, they boiled down after about 45 minutes, we got to the root of it and it was, uh, I'm bored, I'm tired and I'm in pain. And this is just a really good reminder that you are what you say you are after you say, I am. 
And so she was telling her system, you're bored, you're tired, you're in pain. And those types of thoughts increase cortisol, which then starts the inflammation and the stress response and this whole cascade. And so really simple tip for anyone who's like, well, how do I work on my mental, emotional, spiritual health? Just watch your I am statements and they can work for you or they can work against you. So one that another, another member came up with that she could say instead is um, I'm in pain and I'm working on reducing my pain. So really simple thought changes like that can, can do wonders for reducing your uh, inflammation and cortisol. I just want to reiterate that one more time. The doctor cause said that your mental, emotional, and spiritual health are probably bigger factors than toxins for your hormone health. So please do not ignore that part of the conversation. Um, Dr. Cause, was there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience today? One thing that you sparked is, um, for people that are trying, right. That are like, Hey, I'm in therapy. I'm doing yoga. I'm talking to people, but I'm still struggling. Look, check out the estrogen chapter, the female hormone chapter in the book. Uh, the most common condition I find in women is estrogen dominance. And we can have a whole podcast on that. But sometimes when I've seen and and for men like me, low testosterone, like you're just not going to feel right. Um, and so, uh, a huge, huge topic um, that is I definitely dive deep to, into. But what I've seen in balancing uh, the estrogen and progesterone in women, uh, when you're estrogen dominant, um, in which I explain in all the lab testing and all of it, um, none of that stuff that you're doing is going to work as well. So also, if someone's struggling, get tested uh, for your hormones because sometimes your hormones can can really be getting in the way of, of some of the other tools that you're trying. Um, thank you for that. It's definitely a two-way street. Um, so your book is called get the funk F U N C out. And where can, where can people connect with you? My website, doc dash cause.com, um, D O C dash K O Z.com. Uh, I'm on, uh, Instagram and Facebook doc underscore cause. Um, and, uh, Facebook is just Peter Kozlowski MD. Um, I'm pretty lame. As someone said the other day on social media, I don't do a ton, but I do when I do media or events or stuff, I always let people know. Um, and, uh, so, and then my books are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore won't have them in stock, but they probably, probably not, but they will order them if you want that support local businesses. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cause. I know I've learned a lot. I think our listeners will love this episode. Uh, Thank you for your time. I know you've been very generous today with your time and I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Reshape Your Health podcast today. To learn more about Zivli, our online course and coaching program to reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention, check out our website at www.zivli.com. That's Z-I-V-L-I.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating and review on your listening platform and share it with a friend. I'll talk with you at the same time, same place next week. Bye for now.